Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. first lesson today comes from John's Gospel. We're picking up in uh, John 15, right at the end of that chapter in verse 26, and going on to the beginning of 16. Listen now to the Word of God. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, and this is Jesus speaking, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so, they're offering worship to God. <clears throat> and they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. But I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father, and you will see me no longer, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you, and all that the Father has is mine. And for this reason I said that he will take care of what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Again, I invite those who are able to please stand for our second lesson, which comes from Acts. Again, we've just started our series going through Acts. We'll continue through November. It's the second Sunday of it, and so we're looking at Acts 2. We're going to look at the first 13 verses. Listen now to the Word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. As a child, my my first 10 years uh, was in Charlotte, North Carolina at First Presbyterian Church of Charlotte, and my parents were part of the Covenant class, a class of people in their late 20s and 30s, maybe early, very early 40s, married with young children like me. I was once one of those young children. However, one member of their age group was not in that class on a regular basis. Mr. McKeithen, though in his 30s, taught the Lemma Howerton class. Now, these were ladies of a certain age in the church. Uh, you had the Patty Cole class and then Lemma Howerton, because men in both age groups were part of the men's Bible class, and then adult fellowship, John Knox, working down the age ladder here to the covenant class. And Mr. McKeithen had the rather daunting task of teaching these grand dames of Charlotte. And one day there was a lesson, and he began to say, it is difficult to explain the Holy Spirit. And one of the ladies immediately, politely, but immediately interrupted him with a finger and said, young man, one does not explain the Holy Spirit. One experiences the Holy Spirit. He was a lawyer, is a lawyer, quick on his feet, so I'm sure he was able to regain his composure and be able to take it from there. But nevertheless, it was a a daunting point for him and made a good story to tell the class when they got back together. And that has remained, with one of the stories, anecdotes, has remained with me over the years. So it's a bit of fear and trembling, uh, trepidation, as today I um, speak about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Yes, I'll try to do a little bit of explaining, but I hope in the process we can experience the Holy Spirit as well, which features so prominently in our lesson from Acts and which Jesus references in the Gospel of John. The Holy Spirit is fully God. He is the third person of the Trinity. In Genesis 1-2, we read that the Spirit of God was moving over the formless void, The Spirit was there with creation. In the Spirit of God, we read in Matthew's Gospel, the baptism of Jesus, the Spirit of God descends on Jesus in the form of a dove. And we hear the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Trinity, all present there. 
Matthew 28, 13, Jesus gives the people the Great Commission and says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the Apostles' Creed, we acknowledge the Holy Spirit when we say, I believe in the Holy Ghost. It's the older language there. In the Nicene Creed, it says a little bit more, and in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. More is said in our most recent confession in the Presbyterian Church from our Book of Confessions. That's the brief statement. I'll get to that later in the service. The Spirit is God, and the Spirit worked in the Old and New Testaments, and the Spirit is at work today. For our purposes this morning, I want to focus on three broad works of the Holy Spirit. First, the Spirit has a guiding and teaching ministry. Second, the Spirit equips us for ministry. And third, the Spirit has a ministry that testifies. The Spirit proclaims Christ today. The Spirit convicts. The Spirit requires a response. So it's guiding and teaching, then equipping, and then testifying. The Spirit has a guiding and teaching ministry. We read these words of King David, recorded in 2 Samuel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. Other references follow in the Old Testament. I want to look at one from Nehemiah. Now again, a short, brief lesson here. The kingdom had been united under King David. It divided under his grandson Rehoboam with the southern kingdom as Judah and northern kingdom Israel. Israel is captured eventually by Assyria, scattered in exile, and Judah remained together, later though conquered by Babylon, and as a group, they went into exile and kept, though they kept their group identity. Later, Persia conquers Babylon, i.e. Iran beats up on Iraq, and uh, the Jews are allowed, that want to, are allowed to return to their homeland, and a group do in several waves. Nehemiah comes with a later wave, and under his leadership, walls are built around the city. A city is nothing without its walls. Then there's a great dedication, and Nehemiah 9 is a big prayer of confession, which is also a history lesson and a sermon all rolled into one. So it's from that chapter in that setting that I'm referencing. In the 20th verse, he says, you, O God, gave your good spirit to instruct them, your people. And later he says, however, you did bear with them, your people, for many years and admonished them by your spirit through your prophets. Later, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah in what was probably his first sermon in a synagogue when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This teaching guiding ministry is present there in the Old Testament, and then in the New, it really explodes. Peter, in fact, begins the words that follow our chapter, er, follow in chapter 2, what we heard this morning. He preaches a sermon filled with the Spirit. In fact, all of them right there at the beginning are proclaiming God, proclaiming Jesus Christ in these different languages. 
They were filled with the Spirit. Later, um, Peter and John are in trouble because they've healed a lame man in the name of Jesus. And Peter gives the defense, and it said how they were filled with the Spirit as they spoke. Stephen, in Acts 7, preaches, gets in trouble for it, becomes the first Christian martyr. But it says again, he was filled with the Spirit as he proclaimed Christ. Acts 8, the Spirit leads Philip to preach to an Ethiopian leader. Later, Paul, originally an enemy of the Christians, becomes a powerful convert, is preaching and teaching throughout modern-day Turkey, wants to go one direction, and the Spirit, through a dream, says, no, come over to Europe, come to Macedonia, and the gospel goes to another goes through Paul, goes to an, another continent, to an, un, an uncharted territory. Today, the Spirit teaches us and guides us through sermons and lessons and even working together, an insight is gained. A member here, hello, hope you're watching at home, told me of one time, a period of time, being able to worship in Washington, D.C. at the church served by Peter Marshall, famous uh, Scottish, and then later became an American pastor, Presbyterian minister, and how he was very clear in the worship service to listen to what the Spirit was saying through the sermon. That at the end of the service, and I think that was pretty much the last piece, there was a choral piece, he would walk out and would actually leave the sanctuary and go to the fellowship hall, and that's where he could go to shake his hand. He wouldn't wait outside the door. And if someone tried to speak to him as he was leaving, mm -mm, he would shush them. The Spirit is speaking, and you must listen. Now, once you got down to the fellowship, fellowship hall. He was very gregarious, you know, how's your mom and daddy and everybody and all of that. Uh, but at that time of worship, no, no, no. What is the Spirit telling you today? More than once I've heard someone share with me, I've had experience myself through a preaching, teaching episode. I, I heard that call to serve in some particular way. A ministry was presented in such a way. I just felt that prompting, yes, that's where I'm guided to, to go. I need in the community. And someone stood up to that. A lesson is learned through Scripture proclaimed over the course of 2013 several times, either through my own reading or an assignment I had to read here from this pulpit when Reverend Hasty was preaching. I heard these references to forgiving and letting go of grudges. And there were three individuals over that course of that year and going into this year have had made contact and uh, try to forgive and to build some bridges. And they're not in Columbus, so don't do a roll call of who am I talking about. They all live in other towns, so don't worry about it. But uh, through this, the Spirit kept nudging me uh, through those scriptures to build some bridges. The Spirit teaches and guides, and the Spirit equips us, gives us gifts to serve, and uses at times gifts with which we were born in a new way. And to use this term broadly, it can include the way the Holy Spirit develops our character to become more like Jesus Christ. Further back in our history and Scripture, God's people had gone from the Promised Land into Egypt. They were enslaved, and Moses, called of God, led them out. At one point in Exodus, they're beginning, after they're out, they're beginning to build a tabernacle for the Lord. Instructions are given, and it says here 
that Scott is speaking says, I have filled this particular craftsman with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all kinds of craftsmanship. He was gifted in crafts and using that to build the tabernacle. The Spirit was working there. Later in Numbers, uh, they're in the wilderness at this point, and it's gotten so large, the numbers are so large, Moses needs help. And so it's directed, call 70 elders to come and help you in leadership decisions. And it's promised that the Spirit that's been upon Moses will come upon them to equip them for leadership. We move ahead into the New Testament in Romans and 1 Corinthians and 1 Peter. Gifts are listed, the sections where gifts are listed that people have, teaching and preaching and encouragement and helps and mercy. And these gifts that we talk about today called to use them to build up the body. In Galatians 5, it speaks about the fruit of the Spirit in a person's life. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the Spirit at work to make us more in the image of Christ. And you could even say 1 Corinthians 13 would be an example of that in the section on love. Love is patient, love is kind. God's love for us is patient, and God's love for us is kind and calls us to develop that love in ourselves. The Spirit is at work with that. The Spirit has a teaching and guiding ministry, and you hear a call, and the Spirit then equips. Sometimes it's something completely new. I remember speaking to someone who had such a way in the way she worked with children, and I was complimenting it, and she chuckled and said, you know, before I was a Christian... I didn't like to work with children at all. But then I did, and I loved doing it, and it seemed to come so natural. Sometimes a gift that one has been born is set apart for a special use. Uh, one with a good gift of management administration takes it to a nonprofit, maybe uses it in church and some projects that are going on there, or simply in the workplace, called to use it in a special way. A friend of mine, I've shared this before, I talked about his life and his career and the men that he was managing and says, I really have a sense of call to more than manage, but to mentor them, to guide them in how they can balance career and family, to make time for those at home. He saw that as a gift for him to be able to do with them. People have a caring presence, a good ear, hear the call to serve as Stephen ministers. People hear the call to teach, sometimes Sunday school, sometimes in the classroom, sometimes both. Howard Hendricks, his beloved professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, passed away uh, last year. But his life uh, got off to a very sad start. His parents were divorced when he was very young. I don't even know if he remembers them ever being married. And of course, at the time, people were getting divorced and that had happened. And he blamed himself for their breakup. And he was raised by his grandmother and in his younger days, we would say he acted out in behavior. And by the time the third grade had rolled around, he had already established a notorious reputation in his school over two years. But the first day, third grade, his teacher told him, you know, I've heard about you, but I don't believe a word of it. And something twit turned in him saw something different in him, and his life began to change, the impact of that third grade teacher. 
few years later at a church, they were starting a class for, we'd say, middle school-aged boys, and this man was called to do it. He was actually very good at marbles, and with a group of boys, basically said, if I beat you in marbles, you have to come to Sunday school. And Dr. Hendricks said, on that day, I lost my marbles, and I had to go to Sunday school. And said the man wasn't the most educated in the world, but he had a way of working with those boys. And if you can work with middle school boys, bless your heart, more power to you. In such a way, it made a difference. And then going on later, seminary, and then teaching hundreds, thousands of men there, able to influence. The Spirit teaches and guides the Spirit equips us and develops us, and the Spirit testifies, the Spirit proclaims, calling people to Christ today. The Spirit convicts and requires a response. The Spirit testifies. In fact, it's told, a reference here is in Isaiah 44, uh, where God says, I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring, and they will respond, I am the Lord's. I will come out, I will come on to them and the people will turn back and will, will turn to me. In Joel 2, 28, 29, it speaks of the power of the Spirit, and that's what uh, Peter quotes on that first sermon, where he says, In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and even upon my slaves, my, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. In John's Gospel, we hear many references to the Holy Spirit as Jesus speaks, as he prepares the disciples. A section that I did not read is in John 14, where Jesus says that the Helper, as it's translated there, the word is translated, the Helper, whom the Father will send in my name. So again, we see the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son, that's Christ, all at work. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of what I said. The Spirit will teach, will remind, will keep us right. John 15, 17, it refers to the Spirit as the source of truth and uses an interesting word, parakletos, in Greek which we translate sometimes, or simply turn into paraclete, or sometimes called the advocate, the comforter. Hard to find the exact right word today. Helper seems too weak. But it's someone who was a paracletos, was someone called to come alongside. It could be as a witness in one's favor in court. Someone called to come alongside and to give advice. Someone called alongside to inspire and encourage in the way a coach does at halftime in a football game or basketball game, or even gives a speech like Braveheart or Patton to encourage those who are discouraged who need to go forward. And through this teaching ministry can convict and convince of sin of the, and a convict convince of Jesus' righteousness, to convict of judgment but to open the door to lead us out to repentance as the spirit of truth. And so Peter preached, as did others on that day, to those gathered there. Now, Pentecost was one of the big three festivals, Passover, 
early spring, late spring Pentecost, and then in the fall, the Festival of Booths. That was the autumn harvest. Pentecost was the spring harvest. And of course, Passover celebrated the deliverance from Egypt. These were the big three. And the idea was you should go to Jerusalem, ideally all three, but at least one of them you should go. And so again, a lot of out-of-town people. In the same way, at Christmas and at Easter, people who live elsewhere that are from this church come back home or come to other places in Columbus. They come back home, though they are scattered throughout Georgia and other parts of this country. And so that is why Jewish people from all over the world, known world, were there. And these areas that are referenced are in modern-day Iraq and Syria and Turkey and Libya and Egypt and Italy and Crete, that would be Greece. They were gathered there, and over time, centuries people had lived in other countries, those languages had become their first languages. And they're hearing the good news in a special way because it's in their own tongue. It's interesting. Greek was not used, and Greek was a very common language. In a way, like in India, they say English is the first language of no one and the second language of all, that common language. Or in Kenya and other countries, English is used that way. Greek was a very common language. Aramaic was used in a broad area. And the disciples had knowledge of Aramaic. That's what they spoke. And probably they had some working knowledge of Greek. But no, in someone's own language, to hear it in their own way. And it's just special when you hear it in a way that you can understand. A friend I'll call Sally had an opportunity in the late 80s to travel to what was then East Germany, communist-controlled East Germany, with a group, on a mission group. To be, they were travelers, but also were speaking about Jesus Christ. And she had a wonderful time over there of being able to, to in a quiet way, uh, one-on-one preach about Christ or to speak about Christ. But she said she was amazed at it also, amazed how her German came back to her. See, she was an army brat, and she had spent her high school years in Germany, and so, in West Germany, and had learned the language and could speak it very well at the time. But then about 10 years out, she's not really been using it. And she said, German came back to me so quickly, I was able to flow in my words. And she said, and what really uh, amazed me When I was in high school, I wasn't a Christian. I was a party girl. I spoke smoking and drinking, and things of God were the last thing on my mind. And yet, in German, I'm able to speak about the things of God. It came back to me so quickly, and I'm talking about things that I never talked about when I was living there and speaking the language. I believe the Holy Spirit called her and the Holy Spirit equipped her, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, in a way a gift of tongues was given, that she could speak German so fluently, so well, and speak of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We can use personal pronouns, not say it, but say he. The advocate, the paraclete, the comforter, the one who comes alongside The Spirit is the one who guides and teaches us today, who equips us and who testifies to Christ and elicits a response. That lady in Charlotte said that one does not explain the Holy Spirit, one experiences the Holy Spirit. And 
Well, I have tried to explain the Holy Spirit today. But I want to try if we can experience as we listen the Holy Spirit as well. So let me close with our brief statement of faith from our book of confessions, adopted, I want to say, 1991. Listen again and see how we experience the work of the Holy Spirit. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith and sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God, to love God and neighbor and binds us together with all believers in one body of Christ, the church. The same Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles rules our faith and life in Christ through Scripture, engages us through the Word proclaimed, claims us in the waters of baptism, and feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and calls women and men to all ministries of the church. In a broken and fearful world, the Spirit gives us courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples to Christ as Lord and Savior, and to unmask idolatries in church and culture to hear the voices of peoples, long silence, and to work with others for justice and freedom and peace. And in gratitude to God, empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily tasks and to live holy and joyful lives, even as we watch for God's new heaven and new earth, praying, Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.